0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now, your hosts, Jason and Peely.
1: Well, hi everyone! Welcome to another edition of the Investing <laughs> Foundation Podcast. As you can see, it's quite hilarious today on Multifamily Monday, and that is for good reason. And that good reason is that we're welcoming back to prior guests who actually came on before talking a lot about syndication, a lot about buying multifamily, and those guests shall be
0: the one and only Ben and Sam. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure to be with you. We have Ben Lemovich and Sam Grooms joining us today on Multifamily Monday. Welcome, Ben. Welcome, Sam.
2: Thanks for having us. And so if anybody's wondering why she said the one and only, I don't know if you can see it, but Ben actually named his video feed the one and only Ben.
1: <laughs> that is true.
2: If you're waiting for me to apologize for that, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time.
1: <laughs> no, just give me context to it. No apologies needed. So guys, welcome back. It's been a few months. Mm-hmm. A lot has happened. And I mean, a lot has happened since we've last talked. So give us, a, give us an update only in an update way that you guys can.
3: I just want to say I'm so happy to be back. This is by far and away the most fun podcast <laughs> I, I, I ever get the pleasure of being on. And I do a lot of these things, but like this is fantastic, and it has absolutely zero to do with Jason, <laughs> nothing at all, absolutely zero to be, you know. But Peely's always really nice to see you. I, I'm I'm excited that you decided to join us. I've been looking forward to this.
0: See, I'm I'm comedy relief. Jason's just the pretty guy. (laughs)
3: That's (laughs)
2: it. Your roles have divided. I
3: could take that in so many different directions right now, but I think I need to behave myself.
0: Family, family, family. Center, family focus. Yes. Or so.
2: Family focus.
0: Back to you two. Give us an update on where you're at right now.
2: Uh, we just closed on a, another deal. What two weeks ago, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, ago, yeah. This, this Friday, um, 117 units. We bought it for 10.75 million. About a four and a half million dollar raise. Um, we can get into that a little bit later. We just had our Phoenix syndication workshop about a month ago. Um, ben, show your shirt really quick. <laughs> My boobs. <laughs>
1: You can't see it. Ben does have the Phoenix Syndication Workshop 2019 shirt
0: on. Yes. Right there.
1: Great turnout and was for a great cause.
2: Yeah, we were able to donate about eleven thousand five hundred dollars to a hero's home. So that that was awesome.
3: Yeah, and and just the the blanket answer of where we are at. Well, in the past six months, we bought twenty million dollars worth of real estate. And it's represented by about 200, I think, 215 units exactly. And reposition stabilized market valuation, as far as we can tell, is probably in the range of $32 million. So we paid about 20. We've got between the two deals, probably $3 million plus or minus in repair costs. And we're getting a value of uh, about $32 million.
1: Okay, guys. So we're we're in a market, right? Where everybody says we can't find deals. So, how are you finding deals?
3: It's so funny. I'm working on an article for Bigger Pockets right now, specifically about that. Um, what's important, I think, for people to understand is that the money is always in the delta. It's not in the market. So, if you conceptually understand that, in order to make money, w- what a deal is is something that's better than what the market is. Yes, it's hard to find. Yes, it's challenging to find. Yes, it's, it, it manifests itself in different ways. But what you are looking for when you say, I'm looking for a deal, what, what a deal is. I mean, Sam and I may do two deals this year. We may do three. There's people who do 10 or 15. You know, I don't know how to source that many deals that I would call good deals, good enough to put our names on. So we might do two. We'd be happy to do one we'd be ecstatic to do three. It's very difficult to see how we can do more than that because what a deal is, is a delta to the market. So if the market is here, we we gotta somehow buy over here to create a spread. But what this also means is that, hey, if the market is hot and it's at five cap, well then maybe your deal is at eight cap. But if the market is less hot and it's at eight cap, maybe your deal is a 12 cap. Now, personally, I'd rather buy an 8 cap in a five market because the multiple is a lot better than a 12 cap at a uh, in an 8 cap market. But the basic principle I'm going after here and Sam tell me if you disagree, but it's it's always who cares about the market? We don't care about the market. put me into any market, once I understand the dynamics of the market, I understand what everybody else is doing, I understand what defines that market in terms of investment return, then I simply look for an
2: opportunity that has a delta to that.
3: And but then it's, it's, a important,
2: the delta. it's important to point out that we're not buying that deal or buying that A cap. We're creating it over the value add process of one to three years.
1: Free sponsorship. Now, and that's and huge, right? And I think that it's one of the important factors that people are missing because they're not understanding the value repositioning phase of the deal and how to build that back. And that's why so many people are stuck in the sidelines, either, either just looking at stuff and saying, well, the broker's sending me this and it seems like all the meat's off the bone. But you guys are, are seeing the deal and seeing where it's currently at versus the market, finding that delta and then implementing your business plan. And why, why are other people missing this? Why, why, why well, are they not being, go
2: ahead. And, and you don't take what the broker says and just use that in your underwriting. Um, I think the first deal we did, the broker told us there was $120 of value add. We found $340 of value add, and we're proving it. Oh. So you have to find something where other people aren't noticing it or don't see what's happening. And uh, well, out. in
3: fact, the bro I just got off the phone with him yesterday. I mean, I, this is a family-friendly show, so I have to use appropriate language. But the mm-hmm. broker is kind of pooping himself a little bit at seeing what we're doing. Okay, because he didn't—he didn't expect that. <laughs> you know, you make me use child friend language. What do you think talk,
1: I'm gonna do? I talked to. Why I just want to ask one thing about the value add. So, three hundred forty dollars in value add you're creating, right? That—that's basically you're—you're you're talking about in revenue. So, you're gonna find that in revenue, and ideally, he was saying that maybe you could find one hundred and twenty. Yep. The indicators that you said, well, that's great. I, I appreciate your one hundred and twenty, but. I'm able to find 340. Why Why did nobody else see this? Where were you guys finding this?
2: So he was planning on going in with just your typical lipstick value add. Um, <clears throat> not too much, maybe resurfacing the countertops, uh, refacing the cabinets, not really upgrading appliances. So your very basic $2,000 per unit turn um, and upgrade. We saw a what's happening at a school down the road um, and what there's a, all furnished property that's completely remodeled so it has the finishes where we were looking at where nobody else has but being all furnished they can only cater to a certain type of person Um, not many people are willing to spend an extra few hundred dollars a month on their rent for all furnished so there was no middle ground and we noticed that and so we said hey i bet you we can find 98 people there's 98 unit property that want that finish level but can't afford all furnished or don't want all furnished Um, so it's something like that where you're seeing something that maybe doesn't exist in the market yet and you're creating a new product. And so it makes it a little bit harder to underwrite your rents and you're going to have to work with your lender for them to underwrite them as well. Um, But it's a lot easier when you're creating a new product um, because brokers aren't underwriting to something that doesn't exist. They want a proof of concept.
1: See, that's awesome. And, and, I don't know if you're going to know these numbers off the top of your head, but in terms of your CapEx budget that you had anticipated, if you were going to go on the broker's recommendation.
3: Hmm. Do we know those numbers off the top of our, top of our heads? You see them?
1: Them? <laughs> put you on the spot. But in terms of if, if you were going to go after just those nominal, you know, uh, cookie cutter, $120 rent bumps, what was that budget looking like compared to how much more are you spending to achieve almost another $220 rent bumps? I mean, how much did your CapEx?
3: Well, out of the about three, and, and this is true all across Phoenix, um, and we can discuss why, and that's part of what I'm doing in the article, but basically, we look for that $300 plus or minus of value add, and f- about $175 of it, typically, you'll find in the LTL, so to answer your question is by simply cleaning up a little bit,
1: the LTL we BC. could
3: have probably recaptured about $175 per door of LTL, uh, but- the, the 125 is a function of making something much
2: nicer. They that's much- how under market the classic rents were. Wow. So that's just increasing the classic rents on renewals when we're not renovating them.
1: Wow. Wow. That's incredible. I guess the point I'm trying to put is that going for those premium outfits here, your CapEx budget, although higher, probably the range that it increased from going just for the, the, the classic to where it is is not in range you're getting so much
2: more impressive.
3: well and, and there's a lot of perspective on that too because you're talking about tenant class yeah on one hand on the other hand you're talking about what sam and i discussed and this was always my feeling and i brought it to him and he agreed which was nice because it would have been a problem if he didn't agree but my perspective is this cycle won't last forever and if we happen to still be holding this property when the cycle changes and everybody starts offering concessions and we begin sort of a race to the bottom as it relates to the rents a little bit, I want to have the best looking, the best outfitted property in the submarket because that's what's giving me staying power, my property, staying power in a downward environment. And so this is a preservation play. It's, it's, we're deploying capital now and everybody thinks it's strictly because we want higher rents. Yes, we want higher rents and we're getting them because of the quality finishes. But what people don't understand and what's really going on in my head is that if I'm still holding this thing and three years from now, the market cools off and I have, the rent grows, the growth slows down, I want to have it done because it'll be a lot more difficult to deploy money into a slower market than it is now. We can justify it now,
2: right? So to me, that was icing on the cake um, to give us staying power. We looked at it as an insurance on our rents. Um, but to go back to your numbers question, um, so they were, I think they had $2,500 for their $120 bump. We spent $7,300 or are spending $7,300 per unit for that $340 bump. Um, so that you and. And maybe you're not getting quite the return on the additional dollars that you were on that first 2,500. But if deals are the problem, you're, you're still making money off of it. Maybe not quite as much. Maybe if, if you had all the deals you want, maybe you want three deals instead of this one, because you get a higher return on those the renovation dollars. But if deals are the scarcity right now, I want to pack as much value add into that as possible.
3: Well, and you're talking about a, a spread of basically five thousand dollars. Well, listen, five thousand. I spend five thousand dollars to create one hundred twenty-five uh, per month, so it's a, it's a basically fifteen hundred dollar return on five thousand dollars. I mean, that's not a bad cap rate, right? Yes, yeah, so on that right. money.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a great point, right? So, and I guess you would take it. You spend a little bit more, but now you're playing the market hedge, which which is really really important because everybody else who's doing just that classic approach right now who's maybe your competitors well what's going to happen four or five years down the road none of us have the crystal ball if we see some kind of downtick for whatever reason and something goes a different direction well they're going to have to either feed the property which they're going to be probably cash strapped at that time where you guys have already done that renovation and although you may not see that returns now it's going to pay off dividends then because your concessions are not going to look the same as what they're going to have to offer because they're going to have the concession for their union. Right.
3: Not, right. N- not to mention the R&M budget uh, with all of the new stuff. Not to mention the CapEx budget with all of the new stuff. I mean, you, you, you just, it's an insurance policy. You're, you're protecting yourself. You're hedging yourself for the future. But I want to go back for a minute and say something really brilliant.
1: Please do. Should this just come from Sam?
3: Thanks, Jason. Yeah, Sam, go ahead. (laughs) When we were talking about finding deals and how there are no deals in this environment, it's really hard to find deals in the small stuff right now. Uh, In fact, that's where I don't think deals exist anymore, is in the small stuff, because it's so achievable to so many people. In the big stuff, what you have is this dynamic where some very sophisticated players came in, in 2012, 2013, 2014, and they bought apartments for, with a business plan of cap rate compression. That was their entire business plan. They did not want to remodel. They knew they weren't gonna remodel. They bought quality assets and they sat on them, stabilized them and sat on them. They knew, that the cycle would change. And on the upswing, when the cap rates compressed, somebody would come along and create an exit for them. Now, in order to have that exit, they realized they needed to leave meat on the bone for guys like salmon meat. Because we're okay paying a four and a half cap as long as we have that value add because that's where we're gonna make the money. So there were people... <clears throat> and it's not unheard of, and it's quite sophisticated, and it's it's I'd love to be that guy, because then I don't have to do any remodeling. I don't have to do any management. You know, I just buy the property, and I hold on to it for a few years, and then if I'm buying it at 10 cap, and I'm selling it at 4 cap, I'm making money. I don't have to increase my NOI. I don't have to do anything. Okay, so, you know, people sometimes accuse us, oh, you find unsophisticated. No, we're buying from very sophisticated sellers, sellers who knew they were the appropriate seller for that cycle in this uh, buyer for that cycle. In this cycle, they're a seller and we're a buyer in the next cycle. We're a seller and somebody else is a buyer. And that's how real estate works. So people ask sometimes, well, you know, if, if these guys have so much value add, why don't they just do the work? I'm saying if you pay $34,000 a unit
2: and you're getting out at 90, why in the hell would you do the work? Well, and why take on the risk? I mean, he doesn't have the cash laying around, so he's going to take a loan. His debt service is going to go up. What if he can't prove these increased rents? And then he's stuck with all this extra debt service. Um, yeah. And yeah. So why take on that risk? If well, he as far can as rent, he's any- concerned, you know, he, he times his investment. More than double so his money. You're
0: right, Ben. That was pretty brilliant. I'll give you that. <laughs>
2: One forbid. But,
3: but, but that's, that's, it doesn't exist in the fourplex space. It doesn't exist in the 10-unit space. It doesn't exist in the 24-unit space. It doesn't exist in the 60-unit space because those buyers, whenever they bought, they were never sophisticated enough to understand this and play the market game and time the market. Those were cash flow buyers. And so as soon as they bought, they did everything they could to drive the cash flow up. Well, now if they want to sell, what they have are repositioned, optimized building. And that's what people reaching out to you and saying, there's no meat on the bone. Yeah, because they're looking in that space. you got to be looking at institutional players who understand cycles, who understand the markets better than that, who are, who are past the cash flow.
1: Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and so if I'm understanding correctly, which – I may not be, but let's just say I am. And would you say that today's deals, that finding the value in the deal is not as important as finding the level of forced appreciation achievable with the deal?
2: Yes.
3: That's only a yes because we understand, well, listen, the deals that we underwrite. We may be getting in at four and a half cap, but by the end of year one, we're at five and a half cap, fully stabilized, we're at eight and a quarter, eight and a half cap. We're at eight and a half cap, which cash flows very nicely. Eight and a half cap, cash flows all day long. The only thing is we're in a five cap market. So aside for cash flow very nice by year three, we also have a ton of value built into this property for the next guy who wants a turnkey investment.
1: So looking now for your cycle right and for your holding a property, what is your business plan are you what is your level of meat that you're going to leave for the next buyer
2: <laughs> that's a moving target you want to take that Sam so that's an ongoing discussion that we've been having with the broker so we use the same broker on these last two acquisitions yeah. um, and we we're likely going to use him on the exits um, but so that's an ongoing conversation we have with him how much do we need what there's a there's a cap rate discount or premium, I guess, for value-add people. They're willing to pay a lower cap rate because they have that delta that Ben's talking about. Um, whereas when you sell a stabilized property, they want a higher cap rate because uh, they don't have that meat on the bone. Um, so we're trying to figure out the difference in those cap rates. Is it worth only doing 20 to 40% of the value-add and leaving the rest on that? So it's a constant calculation and we're always looking at it. Um, and I think every other day we have an email back and forth deciding uh how what we want to do, changing our approach but uh, it 's
3: also it 's also very dynamic you know with, with at this level at the institutional level, you know the business plan in and of itself is to maximize the return so the 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 soonest we can get in and out of the property and to deliver minimum return that we promised and take the risk off the table that 's not promised, underwrote. That's what we do. So, you know, I just got off the phone with a broker yesterday and I'm saying to him, listen, we walked in at $58,000 of collections. Uh, January was at 63. It looks like February is going to come back at about 68, 69. There's numbers that support 72, 73, probably not 73, but maybe 72 in March. And we're remodeling units and putting units online at uh, an average rent up, like we said, $300. So we're remodeling five, six units a month and putting them online. So by the end of the first year, we should be getting really close, if not over $80,000. So with 50% of the community remodeled, we are going to get from fifty-eight to $80,000. So there's no deals, except for the fact that for the million dollars that we'll have spent in the first year, we're creating about a quarter million dollars of annualized NOI, which capitalizes at five cap to $5 million of value. So will you spend a million dollars to create $5 million of value? Okay. So, so at that point we have a choice. We, we can, we can try to let the next guy finish what we started. Here's what, you know, here's how we do it. Here's the property management company. They'll be happy to stay on the property for you and and continue the process. They've got everything figured out. Here's where we buy materials. Everything's in place, right? You can finish it. So we can get out at you know, 12 and a half million, and deliver to people 40% cash on cash return in a year.
2: If we can do that, then we do it. But, th- but not, everybody, not everybody has that same goal. So you might have 50% cash on cash return in a year, but what if you don't have no d- another deal to put that cash into the next year? Right. Whereas if, if, where if I, I can finish my business plan for the entire property and not just leave minimum for the next guy, maybe I get actual re- uh, more dollars on my return even though my percentage is lower because now that cash is just going to sit there once I get, once I exit the property. Well, and that's the,
3: that's the thing about internal rate, right? It only works if you, if you, if you reinvest
2: at the same rate of return. So, right? So, so it's a balancing act between your equity multiple and your IR, and which one do you, how many deals it is. coming in and what does your investor care more about?
3: Yeah, nice. It is, but it's also cyclical, right? Because risk is a function of cycles, right? So, so at some point, like the multiple is fine and dandy, but if you can take risk off the table, maybe you take lower multiple, higher IRR, higher cash and cash, lower multiple, but zero risk because all the money is off the table out of the, out yeah. of the game. So, so it's a, it's a moving target. So we underwrite all the way up into ten years. Our preferred exit is three to five, but if we do that, we're stabilized, we're selling a stabilized asset. But like, would we not sell 18 months into the deal if we can create that 40 or 50% cash cash? Yeah, we would. We would sell and put the money into the next deal.
1: So we got a lot of ways we can go and I'm gonna gonna go this route first. No,
3: actually, yeah. Actually, I'm gonna follow Pili if you don't mind. So powerful. you go whatever way you <laughs> want to go. I want. So
1: we're going to talk uh, about I, syndication, right? And so that's your model, Phoenix Syndication Workshop. Talking about just really, you know, we go on Sam's point. And so, okay, I exited the deal 18 months out. And now I got money and, and I'm, I'm either getting hit with tax. I, I got to be able to put it somewhere else where it's a comparable point. Do you feel that your model is going to stay with this model that you see? or is Or is there ever the opportunity where you want to? Find the property, of course, get that value, refi, and roll, or do some of that characterization. We're going to hold the uh, properties for long term. Or is that not your model, not anywhere in your, in your uh, business? I,
2: and it, I think it's up to the investors. Um, so, what do our pool of investors in that deal want to do? Um, we've, we've talked to our investors in the first deal, and we know that they want to be out as soon as possible. They want that return, higher, return number as high as possible for the IR and cash on cash versus the equity multiple being higher. Um, so we'll exit out. So, and it's just keeping the communication open to your, your pool of investors and seeing what they want. Um, I think South mountain, this, the second one we did that, that's something I could see us holding on to for a little bit longer. But I then mean, you can, you can tell me if you disagree, um, that, uh, yeah. that, that area is a really nice area. And I think there's a lot of future growth there. Um, so, and, and it's a different investor pool. So. I, we think that they might be willing to hold on for a little bit longer, um, do the entire value add. Um, as far we and it, determining if we're going to hold on after the value add, so after that three years that you're talking about, say refinance, take all of our money out and just hold on for cash flow. Um, the only way, unless all of our investors are on board for the beginning, I think the only way we would do that go that long. Um, is if there, were market, there was a market cycle and we were forced to, because we didn't have the exit we wanted to. Sure.
1: Now, looking at your buyer pool, right? So, the business plan you have, would you feel it's just targeting institutional buyers, right? That, that's your back-end approach. If that's who you're going to be, is really to have some institutional
0: buyers.
3: Not necessarily. I mean, one of the reasons we're staying, we're, we're, we're specifically staying under 150 units uh, because a couple of dentists from Calgary, a couple of CPAs, uh, you know, that's, that's the buyer. Uh, a professional who makes more money than they're willing to walk away from, but realizes they need to hold some property and they're not in the business of doing value add. They're not professionals at this. Uh, they're simply, you know, especially with the current tax law, there's a lot of people out there. Who would be able to expense in the first year ungodly amount of depreciation and roll it forward? Um, and right now the timing is good before the elections because you know if the Democrats, you know, you never know what's going to happen, right? So you might want to take that depreciation. So at least for silver tree, that's why we're specifically looking at an early exit because we think we can interest somebody like that. There's there's a lot of value uh, centers in a deal like that over the next couple of years, politically speaking.
2: Now if the market the market turned and say we're back in say 2012, 2013, then we'll hold on for five years. Then and buy a bunch more. Yeah, <laughs> and buy a whole lot. Um, I think when you're when you're near a, what could 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 be a peak, you just want to get in and out as soon as possible.
1: I think that one of the most important things for people listening is that so yeah, you guys are, are doing this business plan. You'd be open to sell in 18 months, but regardless of, of if that happens or not, you, you underwrote the deal out to 10 years. So you, you have time in your side and you, you have the ability to to transact as you want because you, you've already written this deal out for the long term, whether or not you sell it in your, your one, year two, year five, you're not going to be forced at some point because, you know, when right. We only ran three years out. So at that point, what, what do we do? You know, and the market cycles change. So right. And people to listen to that. You're not just taking one approach. Although the approach is open for you to, to make a choice, you have the ability to withstand whatever could happen within the cycle. I yes.
0: also want to point out is that you guys – you, I want to point out something that Sam said. You said it's constant communication. It's a constant conversation that you're having with your broker that you're having together about exit strategy, about what's happening with the property. Multifamily is not something you just buy and like leave alone. You're having this constant communication together, and that's a uh, that's that's huge.
3: Yep. Yeah. It's it's very fluid. It's uh, you know people think that like we, you know, you. you, you set it and forget it. You know, I get a report four times a week from the PM and then monthly and, and, and these people are on, on our speed dials. And uh, it, it's, it's very labor intensive. Now it's white collar work. You know, it's, I'm not lifting houses and moving them. I'm not doing that. You sure you
1: could have hands? Not
3: doing that ever. <laughs> not. Not doing that, and not allowing anybody that works with me to do that either, because that's like, I, I, I think with your capacity up up in here, you should be letting
2: somebody else do that shit. It's it's, you, it's fun everybody. every once in I, a while. I, I uh, so um, the property we yeah. just bought it has a big fireplace, and we're turning we're t- that's a huge clubhouse that's pretty underused right now, and we're putting in a gym at half the clubhouse. And there's what a big needs to happen? What was that? And there's a big fireplace. Right where we want the gym to be, and so everybody's talking about how much it's going to take cost to take out this fireplace. And I said, I'll jump in there with a sledgehammer and do it. I've done it before; <laughs> I have no problem. And, and Ben's just sitting there shaking his head, wanting no part of it. I, I think it's fun to get in there.
1: Right. So, so you can always look at the advantages. Right. So maybe people that are listening that are hands on. Well, we brought a forty-eight unit. Right. There was floor de- floor deflections um, on the second story units because at some point they had, they had decks out there. And they had cut the decks away, but someone, you know, for six feet of decks, whoever had cut the decks away literally just cut the decks away and never made an attachment with the floor joist back to the wall. So for that point, scared a lot of people off, but, you know, you have hands-on experience, you can have a creative solution and not know it's, and just know very easily. It's not a big deal, a very right. easy, easy solution. So you can find value where other people are saying, oh, there's structural defects. You know, the engineer said the building's going to fall down and all those other points. Well, it's a brick building. Not going anywhere. It hit, hit it with five tanks, and the thing's not going to feel Right. However, you know, simple effects like that on 16 units. Well, we got a huge discount for it. We're able to get in at a great point. Get you know, get a credit for it. Build it back in and have it corrected within you know the better part of a month. Probably for you know, I think we're at 1,200 a unit on that point. But
3: Jason, you are a sexy, sexy man. That's. I, can
1: I held the building up with my hands as yes. they did this. I, I, for 27 days straight. That's how long it took. So, why pui was, uh, you know, tending to the kids. Here yes.
0: And the <laughs> well, no, I mean, let's take it down to some of the simple things that we learn when we start really systematizing, getting into real estate. You learn to put the hammer down use your yeah. brain put the hammer down but you've got to fill your brain with something so jason has a lot of construction abilities you guys have your own things that you can bring to the table so everybody that's listening out there think about this think about what you can bring to the table if you're not a construction guy don't go in and like start saying that the structure is fine when well, you don't know it's fine take what you know and bring it to the table
1: And that's huge for partnerships, right? And so, I mean, that's a huge partnership, and that's why uh, Ben and Sam work. I can understand why Ben has Sam. I have a hard time understanding why Ben keeps Sam, uh, or Sam Sam keeps keeps Ben Ben around. But (laughs) but at that point, I'm sure there's something there for the partnership, but we'll we'll let that lie.
0: (laughs) Well, it's also going back to what we were saying about deals. You know, everybody. I take my
3: commentary about you being sexy right back. I'm (laughs) taking it back. Forget (laughs) I said anything. That's
0: why. I still think you're sexy. Anyway, so back, back to what we were saying about deals, it's all mindset. You both would never say there are no deals to be had, ever. ever You find them. No. You would make deals happen. Listen yep. to this, everyone. You make deals happen. Deals don't just slap you in the face. Well, sometimes, and, do, but- and we
2: need $300 of value out here in Phoenix, but you don't need that everywhere. Here we have almost no vacancy, right? And I can't underwrite no vacancy for the next 10 years. I need to assume that we're going to have 5 6% vacancy, 9% economic loss at least. Um, where Phoenix right now, you're getting 2 or 3% economic loss. Um, so I have to penalize myself from day one in this market um, and have extra value add to offset that increased economic loss that I'm going to have to assume, uh, assume that I'll have over 10 years. Um, and not every market has that. So if you have a market that has a more stable, long-term vacancy rate um, and you don't have to increase your vacancy rate in your underwriting, which is backwards for a lot of people. You have to under, you have to basically assume you're going to manage it worse (laughs) than the other guy. Um, So as long as you don't have that, your, your value doesn't need to be 300. That's just what we need here in Phoenix.
1: That's awesome. Now, so, let's transition a little bit because we're coming up on time, but I want to, I want to touch on the podcast, right? Yes. So for all this fun we've had today, this is not your only chance to get this fun of, of of this uh, dynamic duo on the other Mm -hmm. side. What's happened with the podcast? What are you guys doing?
3: Well, we are, we're launching a podcast. We don't really know the name yet. We've started recording shows, but we don't know the name. We don't know how many shows in the first season. We don't know anything. We're completely (laughs) just doing it by the seat of our pants. And, I am following my strength. I'm a teacher. I'm good at explaining complex subjects in a way that people can understand. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm doing it. the same way I've always done, like I do something and it works. I tell people I do something else and it doesn't work. I tell people and I explain why, why did this work? Why did this not work? So as I grow, all of the content i put out over time has always been a reflection of my own journey and my own growth. Well, we're at a point where, you know, we bought $20 million in real estate in six months. It's likely going to be 40 million by the time 2019 is out. It's going to be a hundred million by the end of 2020. And we don't know much. We know some things at this point enough to talk about on the podcast. So it's, it's going to be a very different beast. No guests, Roundtable discussion. Uh, we might invite one guest for the entire season to to sit at the roundtable and and just talk to us, uh, talk with us. But it's you know we're pre-recording this stuff because we want a certain amount of continuity, and and we want high high quality multi-family syndication
2: institutional level discourse. Um, that discourse actually helped us a ton. So Ben and I connected a little over a year ago, and we spent hours a day on the phone having this high level discourse back and forth on the market, what we can do, what would work, what should be our business plan, and, and just everything. Every line item on a PL, we sit here and had hours and hours of conversation on. And we just figured recording these is our best way of providing that education. Um, not everybody has someone that they can throw those ideas back and forth with, so listening to what Ben and I do, I think it's going to be a huge value add for people that want to learn about this space.
0: So wait a minute, let me get this straight. You guys are basically putting all the content that you guys talk about into your podcast. That's like a high yeah. level mastermind that exactly. people pay thousands of dollars to to go to. you guys are going to put in a podcast and put it out there for free.: Yep. you guys are awesome. <laughs>
1: Or aren't you worried that you'll have competitors
3: <laughs> we're not we're not we're not worried because i believe that uh success is a function of creation less than competition and 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 so whatever will be will be but you know i feel a calling to sit down with a couple of really smart dudes and talk shop yeah. okay
1: I and think you- the
2: abundance mindset yeah. yes if
1: yeah that right they assume well, why are you going to do that? Well, ultimately, everybody brings everybody higher, right? Yeah. So, so if I get one thing from you and you guys one thing from me, we both just
3: got better. And- I mean, if you don't think that people will find us and decide we're knowledgeable and want to invest with us, you're nuts. It's going to happen. One way or the other, or, or if they come down to PSW next year and instead of 50 people there, we're going to end up with 350 people there, you know, one way or the other, financially, we'll figure it out. The point is that follows delivering such value that people can't find anyplace else. And that's what we're about to do.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's everything. Abundance mindset, collaboration, not competition. It's, it's putting it out there to the world and getting back so much more for what yeah. you put out just because you put it out.
2: Yeah, I love that mindset. Yep. Yeah guys i think what's it
3: gonna be called sam
2: multifamily Um, syndication unscripted yep last 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 show i think it took us three episodes to get it right as we're recording
1: but but even on even on a growth platform, right? Just like you said, okay, this is the process. We're going to get into it. I was having to talk with someone the other day. You know, what kind of mic do you use? The camera. You just get started. Start just get started. Get going. There's so much you can do with it out there. So if you are thinking about uh, starting a growth platform out there, in some approach and listening to this, just start. There's no. Uh, we call our early podcast the dark days. The dark days. We call the, <laughs> the episodes without you the dark days. So we have lots of dark days here. On the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast, thank you for the listeners for sticking with us. Thank you, thank you. But abstract <laughs> guys. Really awesome. Thank you so much for coming back on. We're hopefully going to have you guys back on in a couple months when we're at sixty million. Yes. So I don't want to get nice. Back once. So, good, good. And
3: it's anyway, always a pleasure, Peely, and I I tolerate Jason.
1: <laughs> I have a shirt that says that I tolerate myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so once again uh multi syndication unscripted yes. coming to you soon at a live theater near you or from phoenix one of those two places uh i'm sure you can find it itunes Stitcher, or all the other platforms when it launches uh we do have the phoenix syndication workshop mm-hmm. next one coming
2: uh it's gonna be next year we just do sure. it once a year i think january 25th is the earliest date, early date but
1: And if you want to talk more multifamily syndication, hear more about what Ben and Sam have going on, best way to find you guys again.
2: Uh, For me, whitehavencapital.com. And for me, justaskbenwhy.com.
0: Guys, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you so very much, Ben and Sam.
2: Thanks, Jason. Thanks, guys. guys.
1: Thank you. And uh, for listeners out there, if you like what you hear, do us a huge favor. Pass us along to someone else listening. Let them know all the awesome stuff you got here today. And we really appreciate you. And again, give us a five-star rating review on iTunes. It definitely helps us find others out there. This is Jason with Peely today. Yay! With Multifamily Monday. Happy Monday, guys. Go out there take action. Talk to you shortly.
0: Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.